Deep down in your gut, you know there's more to life than waking up for school or work, going through the motions just to get by, and living for the weekend. But you're still scared and uncertain about what your true purpose in life is. Welcome to the Free Time Podcast, your very own community and virtual support group created to help you leverage your free time as a valuable asset so you can start to improve your mindset, learn self-empowerment skills, and ultimately find true fulfillment to move you towards the incredible life that was specifically created for you to live. This is more than a podcast dropping three episodes a week. This is a movement built around real people sharing real stories focused on helping you make the most of your life by becoming super intentional with your time. Brought to you by your host, Carl Sona. And you know, build your stamina, you build your skill in the boat, you know, lifting weights, all this stuff for like six trips down the race course, basically, which are about six minutes each. So you really aren't competing for very long in the grand scheme of it all. And eventually there's always like one or two races every year that matter more than all the rest. And so you know, it's really easy in that moment to boil years of training to six minutes and let that get too big. Um, so I always worked through mentally of like, as long as I knew I had done the work, like really leaning on the work I had done and also accepting the fact that it was going to be uncomfortable. Like I was going to be nervous because that, and, and like, that's the point. Like if you're not, if you do all that work and you get to that point and that starting line or that warm up, and you're not nervous, like there's definitely something wrong with you. Now, before we begin today's episode, I'd like to make a quick announcement. We're on a mission to build a movement here around the topics of self-empowerment, mental health, and personal fulfillment. These are all some really big topics that we all deal with as human beings, but also they're topics that will look a little different for each of us as individuals. And so I'd love to put a name with the face and learn more about who you are and where you are currently along your journey. So I'm super excited to announce that I'm offering free 15-minute Zoom phone calls with me in order for us to get better acquainted. If you're at all interested in this, please hit the link to my calendar in the show notes below to sign up for a time, and I'll see you there. Now, without further ado, let's jump into our episode today. Well, hey, listen, man, I appreciate your time. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Appreciate you having me on, man. I'm doing quite well. Just talking with clients and touring houses and uh, having a good time out here in California. I love it, man. I love it. So I know that you're a realtor right now on the residential side. I know you, you do some personal investing as well, too, and you're actually a coach, it seems. But before we get into all that, Hans, I'm actually kind of curious to hear a little bit about how you grew up. What did you do as far as spending your time growing up? What did that look like for you? Man, well, almost the entire time when I was growing up, I was an athlete. So I was always playing some kind of sport, you know, whether it was, uh, football or basketball, you know, trying out track wrestling, whatever it was, uh, just kind of always into something. And, and if it wasn't a formal sport, it was, uh, racing bikes around the neighborhood or, you know, running up and down the block, building forts, playing tag, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so almost always outside and active and, and playing and having a good time outside. 
I love it, man. I can definitely identify. I think um, there's definitely a potential correlation between being very active and how you manage your time into like adulthood. But I think a lot of what I see in some of the people that I interact with is this sort of discrepancy between, you know, living an active childhood. Let's say, you know, your parents are really encouraging and putting you in the different extracurriculars and then actually pivoting into young adulthood where you no longer have that subtle nudge from your parents. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Saying mm-hmm. try this or try that. And there can kind of be a big mental barrier as far as what young people feel they should be spending their time on. What would you say to somebody that maybe didn't live as active as a childhood that you had, right? That is now sort of um, challenged with the idea of how to spend their free time outside of work or outside of whatever they may be doing as, you know, as far as a day-to-day goes. Maybe they're a student. Do you have any words of advice as far as what they could do to put themselves out there and gently nudge themselves towards um, greater activity in that spare time? Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with sort of starting like wherever you're at, whatever is manageable for you. And if it's, if you're trying to get active, for example, um, but you've never been active before, just something as simple as like learning to, to build a discipline around going for a 10 minute walk and something really small that is bite-sized that you can just get some wins on setting a goal and accomplishing. And that will eventually build some momentum, which will obviously then take you uh, forward. You'll get excited and want to like do a little more and a little more. And then before you know it, you maybe you're running marathons or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it definitely the small things, sometimes they seem so minuscule, but they can definitely compound. It sounds like you're a big believer in that as am I. Yeah. It's, it's always the small stuff that is sometimes it's like the, it's both the easiest and the hardest to do because it's easy. It's easy to do, but because it's easy, it's also easy not to do. It doesn't feel like, you know, you're giving up on your weight goal or your, or your financial goal because it's like this easy little, like, daily 10 minute walk, like, okay, who cares? But in the grand scheme of things, you're building up your, not only taking care of your physical body, but you're building up your capacity to be able to perform, uh, at work and in your home. And, you know, over time, when you don't take those little steps, that's when you get the big pain of, you know, not performing or not hitting your goal. Right. Absolutely. I think it just kind of comes down to, finding little things that build up some self-confidence, you know, the more you chunk away at them to your point, the more momentum you get, the more you feel aligned towards whatever that next big thing is. So definitely um, agree with you there. So when you were in college, you were an Olympian rower. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Well, I wasn't an Olympian when I was in college, but it was, I was, training to become an Olympic rower uh, when I was in college. I, I rode, total for over 12 years through college and then after on an amateur basis. And the only difference between me and most professional athletes is I just didn't get paid, but I was spending my entire life and all my free time and, you know, in lieu of work, most of the times rowing. Yeah, I went to the University of Washington, was part of a very successful run of teams there. Uh, I won two national championships as part of the varsity eight and never did worse than second at the national championship, which is kind of a cool proud moment. And then was part of the the first of five consecutive national championships for the program and, and just felt like I had a big hand in building that culture 
into something that was very, very successful and had never been done before in college rowing and which was five consecutive national championships and felt really good about my time there. And then ultimately after graduation, you know, joined up with the men's national team, which was based at the time in San Diego and then kind of moved around all over the country for variety of races and training camps and this and that. Um, ultimately did not, I tried for the London team in 2012, didn't make it. And then did make the Rio 2016 team in the men's eight. Wow, man. That's a hell of a, a couple of accomplishments there, man. Um, talk to me about, you know, it obviously sounds like rowing was a good majority of your life for a while. You know, a lot of your free time was dedicated towards that. Completely. Talk to me about how you deal with, actually preparing for some of these major races and more than just the preparation itself that it takes to perform at such a high level, how would you manage the adversity of times where you wouldn't, you know, make certain races or how you talked about missing in London, but making it in Rio? How did you handle that mentally? Well, I've got, I I can take that in two directions. I guess the first place that I've, I'm thinking of is sort of on a, on a macro level of when either I was cut or I went to a qualification race and didn't qualify or had a failure, just a a bad week of practice or whatever it was, I would always go back to this idea of like, if I'm, and I use the age 40 because by the time you're 40, you really can't compete physically anymore at at this level as you could when you're 20 or 30. Um, And I can't physically do this anymore because I'm just too old. Will I be satisfied with what I've put into this? And, and see this through. And, and every single time I asked that question, the answer was no. Yeah. And the fact that I, I realized that time and again, ultimately is what kept me going, which really was, you know, the la- not wanting to have regret. Once you can't do something about your problem or whatever the situation is, then I didn't want to like think back and be like, man, I wish I would have blah. Like if I achieved everything else in my life, but I didn't try to make the Olympic team and really just go all the way through it. Like I would have been living with regret and you can't undo that. And I didn't want to live with that. So that was kind of on the big macro level, but on a sort of day to day basis, you know, you get like you, we always sort of talked about, you know, you go into these big races because rowing is a sport that you train for literally all year and for multiple years in a row. And you know, build your stamina, you build your skill in the boat, you know, lifting weights, all this stuff for like six trips down the race course, basically, which are about six minutes each. So you really aren't competing for very long in the grand scheme of it all. And eventually there's always like one or two races every year that matter more than all the rest. And so you know, it's really easy in that moment to boil years of training to six minutes and let that get too big. Um, so I always worked through mentally of like, as long as I knew I had done the work, like really leaning on the work I had done and also accepting the fact that it was going to be uncomfortable. Like I was going to be nervous because that, and, and like, that's the point. Like if you're not, if you do all that work and you get to that point and that starting line or that warm up, and you're not nervous, like there's definitely something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it means you're like a psychopath or something, man. I mean, <laughs> being Actually, nervous, <laughs> being nervous is such a solid indicator for, you know, the performance level that you hope to put out there, you know? And totally. so I think 
I think that's a small mindset shift that a lot of people can make with regard to how much of a relationship they have with that feeling. It's like, no, bro, it's not a bad thing. It actually can be used to your benefit. And it's something that over time you start to seek, which is probably kind of weird for some people to wrap their minds around. I've got an interesting sort of anecdote around that nervousness. So I worked with a sports psychologist for a little while just to to really tune in my my mindset. One thing she told me was um, to to work through a breathing exercise or basically just make sure I was breathing up into the point of the start of the race. And she's like, when you go to the start line and you see your fellow competitors uh, yawning, they're like, everyone sort of freaks out who doesn't understand this, that, oh, they're tired. They're not into this. They're bored. No, they're nervous and they're not breathing. And mm-hmm. the yawning is your body's natural way of getting oxygen in. Mm-hmm. And he's like, as soon as you see somebody who's yawning across from you, like in about a minute, they're going to have an oxygen deprivation that because they just haven't been breathing and they're going to hit a really intense wall yeah. uh, about a minute to uh, 80 seconds into that race. And every single time she was right. So, so to prepare for that race, I would work through a breathing exercise to make sure I'm oxygenating my body. Um, and honestly, that also kind of calmed down a lot of the nerves. So mm-hmm. if someone can sort of identify, you know, that it's sensation experience for themselves and then come uh, figure out a um, routine for them to handle those moments. I think that is uh, huge as far as um, being able to perform when it matters. Yeah. I'm happy you brought that up. That's a great point. I'm, I'm doing a little bit of professional speaking now from this stage. And that's something that one of my speaking coaches told me, you know, I asked him, I was like, Pat, how do you deal with like the butterfly effect? You know, like that, that kind of like gut shot that hits you 30 seconds before they announce your name. And he's like, breathe, you know, you're going to feel tingly. You just got to breathe through it. And almost always, man, it works. You're able to go out there, perform, nail it. So I think that's definitely great for the audience to know. One of the things that I love that you mentioned is on the macro level that you described, you talked about, you know, thinking about your future self. I think you said, you know, what does Hans feel like at age 40? You know, does he feel like he left it all out there? And I'm happy you brought that up because, you know, the name of the show is the Free Time Podcast, and it's primarily geared towards younger people that I feel like oftentimes fall victim to this mentality that they've got um, all the time on their side, you know, Mm -hmm. to accomplish things or that one day randomly they'll be able to wake up and very similar to like turning on a light switch, things that they aspire to experience or accomplish will just sort of happen for them. Can you just walk me through a little bit more about what kind of visualization maybe you think about when it comes to, you know, something that you want to accomplish right now, something that you know is in your DNA to do and the fear that you need to overcome, right, with Mm -hmm. doing that thing. But I'm kind of primarily um, interested as to whether or not you associate any pain with not doing that thing or any specific type of discomfort with not actually pulling the trigger on that. I think, you know, by hearing you talk a bit about that, the audience might get a little bit more insight as to how your mind works and maybe a couple of practical things that they can you know, sort of adopt with that visualization so that they're not left on the sidelines of their own lives. Yeah, man, totally. Um, so visualization, I, I guess I, where my mind goes to when you were talking about that just now is the, the concept of limiting beliefs. Yeah. And we all have goals and we all have exciting 
things that we hope to achieve in our life. And I believe like you can do the activities like sales is a really easy example. You and I are both in sales and can make a hundred sales calls and you can have 10 contacts and you can have four appointments and one or two closings. Like those sort of metrics and ratios work most of the time, as long as you're doing the activity. But if you have a goal of like, you know, running a marathon or uh, making, you know, some amount of money or running a company or whatever this thing is that you want to embody and be, you know, you have to sort of take a really deep internal dive on, am I the kind of person who genuinely can do these things? Like, am I someone who can make six figures? Like, is the internal version of myself ready to be that version? And, you know, we can talk X's and O's about, you know, you should start a podcast or you should, you know, go make a hundred sales calls or knock on doors or learn this close or whatever it is. Um, but until you're like really ready to sort of embody this version of yourself, I don't know that the activity will, I, you will get the result, but I don't know that it'll be to the level that you hoped it would be. And so speaking of free time, um, one of the ways that I start every single morning now, which is a relatively new thing for me is I spent the long weekend going through limiting beliefs that I had and mm -hmm. literally writing them all down and then rewriting them into something positive that serves me. And then I took uh, those new beliefs and recorded them on this microphone that I'm talking to you on right now. Yeah. And, and then put them on a loop and now listen to them every single morning. And wow. It's for about 15 minutes. It's like the second or third thing I do every single morning. And I was like physically writing down some of my goals on a piece of paper, which that by itself is a really huge uh, practice. If you don't want to do the microphone thing, um, yep. write it all down on a piece of paper once a day, whatever your top three or top 10 or whatever beliefs that you want to retrain yourself. But the point of the exercise is to retrain your subconscious to replace you know, that limiting belief was something that, that, um, serves you so that you can, uh, recognize opportunities when they show up or be the person who is ready to act and, and make something happen when, when the opportunity comes, because if you're not ready to make that most of that opportunity, when you when your opportunity comes, it's, you know, you only get so many shots in life. Oh man, I love that. I love that. I have a proprietary process that I call MIA and the I portion stands for internal assessment. And it sounds very similar to what you just described. I, I never ever really thought about, you know, the whole playback loop. I actually love that. Um, I think that's super intentional on your end, but it really does boil down to, you know, having the individual, I've done this for myself, you know, evaluate where they're at currently and rather than focus on the frustrations of the situation, again, look at the frustration as a good thing. It's actually an indicator that you're leaving a lot of chips on the table, right? That's mm -hmm. a good thing that you actually feel that discomfort. It means you're out of alignment. And then rather than focus on those frustrations, become more solutions-driven, more solutions-minded, mm -hmm. and actually come up with a couple of you know, potential options that allow you to move towards you know, a place that could be a little bit more in alignment with where you want to go. So... Good for you, bro, man. I think I, that shows a lot of intention on your end. Yeah. And I am not the originator of that. I heard that um, on John Lee Dumas's podcast, Entrepreneurs okay. on Fire, when uh, it was the episode somewhat recently with Cliff Ravenscraft. Yeah. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and he brought that exercise up in the podcast. So you should definitely go listen to that. 
And Dude, uh, I am definitely going to. I'm actually going on a run right after this. Um, I'm doing Andy Fasella 75 hard right now. So I got I to gotta get my second two a day in. That's outside. But you're the second person in like the past couple of days to actually recommend that exact podcast to me. So I'll definitely be throwing that in the ad buds. Totally. Yeah. Thank go, you so much. Go check that out. But yeah, that's where I got the idea from. Um, it was a really challenging exercise that, you know, it made me really face some limiting beliefs head on, but it totally, like just the act of writing them all down completely without the recording and the rewriting part totally changed my relationship to most of them. I love it. I love it. And, you know, for all those of you listening out there, you know, I think it's so easy in today's life, today's modern world to, you know, look at guys like Hans that are professionals on the full-time spectrum, building all these amazing things on the side and say, oh, wow, he's somehow blessed or way more skilled or talented than me. I mean, here he is opening up about limiting beliefs and having to deal with those on a day-to-day. And this goes to show the power that you can take back from some of these stories that we tell ourselves when you become more intentional about sitting down and, you know, taking the time to perform an exercise like that. It's really a good opportunity and a great testament to show how you can actually get out from underneath the thumb of that big Mm -hmm. that we give way too much power and control to on a day-to-day. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. One, one thing that I found super interesting about the whole, uh, about Cliff's podcast and, and, and listening to one of his videos online is like a lot of these beliefs that we carry are just opinions that we take as concrete facts, uh-huh. sort of his definition or loosely his definition. But I, he also goes on to talk about where that belief even came from. And, and most, I think if you do this exercise, you'll find most of the beliefs, like you didn't consciously create, they just went to you because an adult or a pastor or a teacher told you something, or you experienced something like you were playing sports and someone called you a name or whatever. And then that stuck with you. And, yeah. and 30 years later, there's your limiting belief that's holding you back from getting where you want to go. Mm, thanks for sharing that, man. That's that's so true and so powerful. So pivoting on, now you become a realtor, right? After the rowing career thing is kind of done. Are you crushing in business right now? I mean, you seem like a pretty sharp sales guy. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that a fair assumption to make you're, you're crushing it in your, in your nine to five? Well, I would... I wouldn't call it a nine to five because I am, you know, at 1099, I'm independent contractor, but um, in commission based, but I would say I'm absolutely having my best year that I've ever had in the business, which is three. So I'm definitely just destroying all my previous marks um, and and sort of embodying the version that I was hoping to embody from the beginning. Um, So from that aspect, absolutely. I'm crushing. Um, However, I've now seen because of my association with the Gunderman group and specifically David and Andrew, like a whole nother level of, you know, top producer status and where (laughs) you can be. And it's like, okay, like it's cool to sell, you know, 10, 20 houses a year, but like, what if you were selling a hundred? Yes. Isn't that interesting brother, how like it never ends, you know, you set some lofty targets and you kind of tell yourself a story like, Oh man, when I get here, you know, I've officially crossed the finish line. (laughs) Then you get to that part of the finish line and it's like, you just gain entrance to a whole nother level of performance. And then it becomes the next thing. I mean, honestly, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm kind of addicted to that, but uh, (laughs) that's interesting. You bring that up. So talk to me about how, you manage your time now with, you know, not trying to just be complacent with 
15 to 20 houses, you know, being all right with being a big time visionary, you know, seeing a hundred houses and finding the time to, you know, start a podcast and mm-hmm. invest on your own on the side. Like yep. how, how do you juggle all these things? Where did that belief within yourself really um, come from, you know, uh, with regard to being this professional 1099 rep and doing all these other things on the side? Man, I would have to say it was sort of grew up with it. My dad um, is an attorney, still practices, and is sort of winding his practice down a little bit. But he was doing the the big firm thing for a while and then was general counsel for a big company up in Washington State where we grew up. And then eventually decided to go out and be entrepreneurial on his own and started his own practice, which is an army of one until um, somewhat recently he's partnered up with some people in uh, an interesting virtual way, but that's another conversation. But he was always sort of involved in business transactions and real estate specifically, um, helping people buy properties, buildings, and this and that. And he always sort of said, it's better to work for yourself than for somebody else and had a lot of versions of that advice. So through a lot of the summers, I would wash cars for the neighbors or pressure wash or, you know, kind of did these various businesses around their houses. Um, So I was always just sort of trying to like make money and like start businesses here and there um, and just get out there and hustle a little bit. And, you know, you fast forward through my athletic career and the skills I had picked up and, and frankly, the muscle I had built around being hardworking and diligent and like showing up for practice, giving my best, all that good stuff. Um, and you, and I took that and, and applied it to the business world. You know, mm-hmm. I'm definitely learning a whole new skill set here and I've by no means made it or perfected anything, but you know, you kind of can't help, but, but, you know, try tons of things. Cause you know, you've, you're like, I made it to the Olympics. Like what else can I do? Yeah. That's actually, that's actually like some secret sauce you just touched on. I think anytime somebody's curious about trying something they've never done before and, you know, maybe there's a little voice that is trying to hold them back or deter them from doing it. One of the things that I love to do is just like remind myself of like something else that I've done, whether it be like in business, life, sports, whatever, something that, you know, at one point in time was never on my radar wasn't anything I thought I could become quite skilled at. And I like to just like revisit those wins because facts are, you know, if you've done it once in one arena, it usually requires the same skill set that you used as far as like some of the, you know, some of the internal drivers to be able to do it in another arena. And yeah. that, that right there alone, man, can be just uh, worth a million dollars. A hundred percent. And yeah. going back and just giving something a little bit more practical, like... I'm a real estate agent. That's what I do every single day. I negotiate, you know, contracts. We look at houses, we look at comps, we read disclosures, all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, All these other ventures with the sole exception of the podcasting, um, you know, are real estate related. So they're all really parallel. And I find, and I think that that's really important. If you're going to go do a second thing, um, whatever that second thing is like a side hustle, like make it, parallel in some way so that you're not totally transitioning from like selling and buying houses to like, I don't know, starting an e-commerce website. Like, is there something in the real estate space that's like very close, but sort of different Mm. um, that you can apply that to be? And I think it was Grant Cardone who sort of introduced this to me in the first place when I used to listen to his podcast all the time. Um, 
It was like, yeah. get your first drip and then get your second drip and have the second drip be of income. That is, uh, be close. And then by the time you have your third or fourth, like then go out and do something completely different than, uh, what it is because you've kind of built out this, uh, big drip in this one industry that's all sort of feeding off of each other. And for yeah. me, it's like I invest on my own with rentals and then I looking for like wholesale opportunities and obviously buying and selling. And, you know, the podcast is sort of parallel in the, you know, I talk to people. So I get to interview and talk to really interesting people who are doing really interesting and cool things. So yeah, that's parallel in that way. But I, that's big advice. I'd say like, if don't do a wholesale change right up front, like think about what you're good at, think about what you have competency in, and then how can I, you know, run a parallel track to what I'm already doing? Yeah. It's also kind of a great way to sort of like, you know, hack the system, if you will, and kind of maybe potentially see some momentum out of the gates that then builds more confidence to propel you towards other things. If you're doing something that's already in alignment with like a niche that you're sort of familiar with. So I love that piece of advice. And I remember Cardone talking about that, you know, the whole idea that the average millionaire now has seven flows yep. of income. That's kind yep. of, that's really where my journey started to when, you know, I was professional, still am, but was starting to consider what else I could do in my spare time to uh, build that portfolio, if you will. So love that you touched on that, man. That brings me kind of to the last segment of the show. You know, you've been talking about the podcast and it being a little different from what you do on a day-to-day. Where did the desire to start a podcast come from and what really is your your main goal and intention with your show? Well, I also like to listen to Gary Vanderchuk and I yeah. can't remember who I told this to, but like Gary's messaging and just his content like pisses me off just enough, but I keep going back to it. <laughs> Gary just uh, like... I don't know what it is, but like he, I listen to his stuff and I'm like, oh, I dislike him so much and I want to punch him. But like he's so right on this. And it was he's always talking about create content, just put content out. So I'm like, all right, cool. Maybe I should start a vlog. Maybe I should. And I talked to one of my buddies who actually has like a really big vlog. And um, then I'm like, oh, maybe I should blog, but I don't really like writing all the time. Maybe I should do a podcast. I like podcasts, but how. So I always, I'd been sort of batting this back and forth in the meantime, trying, you know, Facebook lives regularly and just talking about real estate and trying different stuff. And then ultimately I came across Travis Chappell's podcast, um, by way of actually the bigger pockets podcast, hence the podcast theme here. Yep. And, um, ultimately got hooked up with Travis, hired him as a coach. Uh, he helped me really build out and start this thing and gave me a framework to work in. And then just like an athlete, I, I took the coaching and I did what he said to do and I've been running with it. And that's, that's where I am today. I love it, man. I love it. I think, uh, you know, the whole, the whole idea of documentation is so key content creation. You know, those are areas that I've also struggled in as well too. just a lot of limiting beliefs like, Oh, what do I have to possibly say? You know, what do I have to possibly put out there that could potentially impact people? But you know, you're never as, um, credible to anybody, in my opinion, as when you're first starting out and finding a way to actually, um, you know, continue to show up and continue to persist on. And so I love that, you know, you're a guy that obviously has accomplished a lot so far, but you're actually taking it up a notch. You're putting this podcast out there because who knows who's going to stumble across that thing and be like, oh, wow, man, I'm in real estate. I never really thought that I had much else to do, but try to sell my 20 to 25 houses a year and look at this guy, you know, I actually resonate with him so much. He's built this huge portfolio. 
he's impacting lives on a bigger scale that goes beyond, you know, his immediate reach, I can do it too. And now it inspires somebody else to go out there and bet on themselves. And that's the whole goal of this show, man. So I love that you touched on that, bro. Um, Go ahead. Doing the content curation or creation thing, like building the personal brand, like there's space for you in the conversation. And this is actually one of the limiting beliefs that I had that I had to rewrite Mm -hmm. is, you know, there's like, there's always room for good stuff. Like there's the internet is endless. There's room for stuff, but there's always room for good stuff. And if you can figure out what your good stuff is and bring the best of you forward, I think that is, there's like a whole different frontier of like connection through the internet. Yeah, man. These various mediums, like you and I never would connect were it not for Facebook groups and that sort of thing. And Zoom Zoom calls and like all this cool stuff, like here we are. But um, if you don't go take some action and put it out there, at least like you'll never know where, where that takes you. Couldn't agree more, man. So well-spoken. So the last thing I want to touch on with you, Hans, is kind of like a quick little manifestation exercise. So one of the things that I invite all of my guests to do is to think big, right? Right now here in the moment as we're both on this call and tell us, you know, as me and the audience as your witness, where you will be in six to nine months, you know? And the whole idea is thoughts become things. I'm a big believer in that. We don't have to go too far down that rabbit hole, but I do totally intend to follow up with you in that six six to nine month period to see how far you've come on your goal. I think what better way than to speak it here, you know, Mm -hmm. in front of all those listening and for us to have an incredible testimonial, you know, a few months down the line here to see hopefully how far you go, if not how far you exceed the goals that you lay out here before us today. So they can be anything you want, bro. It could be personal, professional career, a mix of all. Um, But where is Hans in six to nine months along your journey towards your ultimate self? Man, six to nine months. Um, One of my big goals, one thing that's fascinating me right now that I have been really fascinated with is apartment syndication and taking a lot of steps towards uh, educating myself and putting together a business plan around apartment syndication. So the goals I have written down as part of my my morning recording is... um, by September 1st of 2020, I'll have raised $1.75 million and have successfully syndicated $5 million worth of performing apartment complexes. Mm. And uh, that is obviously a little longer term than you asked for, but that is one of my big things that sort of totally freaks me out. I've never done that before. Yeah. I have raised money for flips, but those were single family. This is a different animal. And I'm, you know, constantly taking, um, I'm reading books and I'm getting educated and getting coaching around how to do this. And, um, I see this is like a really intriguing thing that's just keeps coming back to me, keeps pulling me. So I'm going to answer, say yes yeah. to it and just lean in and, and make it happen. I love it, man. I love it. I think, uh, if it isn't big and audacious and it doesn't, you know, get your blood going a little bit, it probably ain't big enough, man. So that's a good one. Yeah. And, and it's big enough to be like, I don't know if I can handle this, but, but you know, like I've bought and sold, like I've represented a buyer on a $3 million house recently. It's not that different, but it's a, but I'm buying it all of a sudden. So then it becomes more real in a different way. Uh And, um, you know, you, it's funny because in the real estate game, like you're, you're sort of ushering a transaction through, but you're not sort of involved on the emotional side. And I think that's one 
sort of benefit is having an objective opinion in the real estate side or of their agent role. Um, but when you when you go to sign the dotted line for the grant deed and the promissory note for the for the real estate, it's like oh. Yeah, a little, little different on this, on this end of the pen. <laughs> well, it'll make you more empathetic the next time you're representing the person on the other end. How about that? Huh? Exactly, and that's, and that's something I strive to do in my personal investing as well is make sure I'm, you know, I understand where they are when I'm writing these contracts, and you know, I have a negotiation going on for a four unit building in Tacoma, Washington right now. And I'm, I'm on the buying side with my wife and, you know, we're going back and forth on it, just like a lot of my clients do. So I have a tremendous amount of empathy for them because I now see it from a different angle. Uh, that makes the best sales professionals in my opinion, man. Um, so how can people follow you? And also what's the name of your show? I don't know if you've launched it yet, but I would love for you to throw that out there in case the audience is interested in taking a look at it. The name of the podcast is another way to play. And it will be available bef- I'm at this point before October hits and comes around. Definitely excited to have you on. I think we're booked for somewhere later in this month. So we'll, yep. Yep. we'll have it on. Uh, but as far as connecting with me right now, the best way to do that is on Instagram. Yep. Uh, it's Chief Sna, spelled S-N-A-H, which is my first name backwards. And- <laughs> Um, I will obviously be posting the link in my profile on, on, uh, on there. And then obviously my posts, once I launch will, uh, contain many of the, of the Instagram or excuse me, of the podcast episodes. So you can click there and then I'll have a website associated with, with it, um, which is not up and I don't have a URL yet. Uh, but you can find it all on Instagram. It'll be there. Brilliant stuff, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, Han Strienza, aka Chief Sanaa, man. Appreciate you coming on the show, brother. Look forward to talking to you soon. Right on, Carl. Appreciate you having me. It's been a blast. Awesome, bro. Take care. Talk to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Remember, yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. So there's no better time than the present to get into the arena of your life and to start moving towards your purpose and potential. Peace. Hey, I want to personally thank you again for tuning in. At the end of the day, I really do believe that we're all in this game of life to help one another out. And that the best way we can do this is through sharing our stories more openly and honestly. And so, if you like the show, please take a quick minute to leave us a rating, drop us a review, and subscribe for more. Also, I'd love to get to know you a little bit better and hear your story. Please head over to carlsona.com chat. That's Carl with a K. Sona.com slash chat to book a 15 minute free Zoom call with me, and I can't wait to see you there.